as an executive and regional director for the National Firearms Association, my guest today has the experience and industry knowledge to offer some thoughts and opinions on how recent legislation surrounding firearms is positioned to penalize law-abiding citizens. But will it help reduce crime? That's the real question. Today, a special episode of Return to Reason, where knowledge and wisdom intersect. Blair, it's great to have you with us. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me. So why is the government banning handguns? What's going on? Oh, my. Well, uh, there's uh, several schools of thought on that. I, I think this is a knee-jerk reaction to several different things. Um, as you know, uh, there is a crime problem in this country. Uh, unfortunately, as has been uh, demonstrated in the past, uh, the reaction of liberal governments uh, to uh, 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 crimes of violence, crimes committed with firearms in Canada has historically been to target the law-abiding people who possess firearms. We saw this in the uh, 1990s with the long gun registry and other measures that were uh, uh, imposed by the liberal government of that day. Um, we all know what happened. Uh, that program failed miserably. It became a very, very big uh, political issue in Canada. And uh, eventually that liberal government was defeated and uh, new governments uh, elected to replace them. Um, fast forward to today, I think this government is in a lot of trouble on several fronts, uh, including the uh, crime issue. They don't really have any other ideas but to attack the law abiding. And why do you do this? Uh, because it's easy. Uh, law-abiding people in possession of firearms, you know who they are. Uh, as you know, in Canada today, in order to possess a firearm, you must have a firearms license. You must license yourself with the government. And in the case of uh, handguns, uh, they have to be registered. So you know who ha have them and you know where they are. You know exactly what they have. Um, that's a, a very, very disturbing thing uh, that this government would move against the law abiding uh, using the licensing and registration system uh, to do so because uh, it, it, it certainly uh, exposes the lies of a lot of their claims in the past that uh, farms licensing, farms registration was never intended for this type of measure, the confiscation of uh, private property. Uh, the mask is off now and we know that's exactly what it is. So when you look at handguns, for example, um, you're, we're talking about law-abiding citizens, I heard you say, yep. and then you know those who aren't. So we call them crooks or those who aren't law-abiding. So you're, the registered handguns that are in the country, so I think the public feels like we need to control those or get rid of them because that's the issue. Is there a lot of unregistered handguns in the country? Well, yes, uh, for several different reasons. Uh, the, uh, uh, the criminal element obviously cannot walk into a store in Canada and purchase a handgun, except if they are willing to commit an offense. And uh, certainly the issue of uh, straw purchases, which are the barest minimum of crimes uh, diverted, for, uh, uh, diverted for criminal purposes, uh, criminal misuse of firearms, is one way that they do that. However, the vast majority of firearms that are used by criminals in Canada are smuggled in. And uh, that's a statistical fact. The government knows this. Um, do Canadians think uh, that uh, uh, legal handguns should be banned or confiscated? I don't think so. I don't think there's uh, any evidence to support that. The fact of the matter is uh, the program that we have now uh, has been in place in one form or another uh, since the mid 1930s. Um, 
it was brought in uh, uh, basically to uh, control the access to firearms for very, various different purposes, including the uh, criminal misuse. And uh, it was always claimed that it had some effect. But if you look at today and the uh, type of uh, crimes that uh, Canadians are facing, Canadian cities are facing, I don't know if Canada's history on gun control has, any effect, has had any effect on actually preventing or reducing crimes. So you, you said earlier, the government knows all the things that you're saying. So how many, like when handguns are used in crime in Canada, are they coming from the registered group or are they coming from the unregistered group? Principally not from the registered group. I mean, there are stolen handguns, but there are very, very few in number. They are coming in from the United States. They are smuggled in. And, uh, you know, there's always been a focus on border security. Obviously, uh, uh, we uh, want to stop illegal handguns at the border, stop smuggling, prevent that from happening. But the, uh, the component that is missing to that, okay, you, you can put all the border controls you want in. But if you don't address the demand for illegal firearms, they're going to continue to come in. We have one of the longest borders in the world with the United States of America, okay? And I know Border Services does the best they can to stop these things. But as long as there is that demand, they're going to continue to come in. So we have to ask ourselves, why is there a demand for illegal handguns? Well, criminals want handguns to commit crimes with, okay? That's just not going to change. Why do Canadian criminals feel that they need firearms, illegal firearms, illegal handguns to commit crimes? Because there are very, very few penalties in the Canadian justice system for using firearms. Uh, just recently, the uh, government of Justin Trudeau got rid of manda mandatory minimums sent sentences for firearms crimes. That's very disturbing. Why did they do that? Why did they remove mandatory minimum sentences for firearms crimes and mm -hmm. then institute a program of uh, onerous regulation and confiscation on legal firearms owners? I, 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 just, I, I just can't tie the two together for any purpose for public safety. No, when, I, when you talk with people about handguns and especially those who are registered, uh, the ones I speak with, they've got them locked in safes. I mean, their fingerprint or codes, etc. Um, but I mean, like hundreds of years ago, our forefathers wanted to bear arms. And sometimes people get mixed up between the laws in America and the laws in Canada, but it was for protection. And then, so the one side of the argument would say, well, that's why we have such great police forces and all the things that we have in our country. But when I speak to policemen who say we're underfunded, uh, we don't have enough policemen on the streets, we get a call. Uh, when someone breaks into a home to hurt someone, to steal, etc., cetera, uh, the response time for the police, and I am not knocking the police at all. I know so many of them, wonderful men and women, uh, but they're just, there's just not enough of them on the streets. They often don't get there to prevent it. They get there to solve it. So if you're protecting your children and your wife, um, is that what a lot of them think as well when it comes to firearms? Or is that just kind of a, we don't talk about that? No, we do talk about that, and we should talk about that, okay? There's a lot of confusion about the issue of self-defense with firearms in Canada. Is it legal to do so? Yes, yes it is, under certain conditions, 
okay? And the problem with Canadian law when it comes to the issue of self-defense with firearms is it seeks to provide a level playing field between criminal and victim, and that's wrong, okay? There's a lot of onus uh, put on a victim to uh, justify his use of firearms. In some cases, that's reasonable. I mean, when you, a police investigation occurs, obviously they're going to find out was, was the uh, was the force used in this particular uh, 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 incident reasonable, okay? But unfortunately, it, it goes further than that. And uh, it's often the case in, in some law enforcement agencies and among some Crown prosecutors that no, no, we, we cannot we, we cannot allow this to stand uh, if, if we uh, uh, give this victim a pass in this incident, more people will be emboldened to protect themselves with firearms. We don't want that. So it becomes more of a ideological or social uh, reengineering agenda rather than a, uh, a, a reasonable and, and rational law enforcement investigations. You know, I, I often put it this way. Uh, in cases where a, a district attorney in the United States uh, would take a look at the case and uh, decide, well, this individual was clearly defending himself here. I, I'm not going to pursue any charges against them. In Canada, a Crown prosecutor will look at the same issue and go, well, yes, this individual was defending himself, but the use of the firearm is problematic. And well, we, we just, we, we can't see, be seen to be tolerating this. So although we're, we, you know, this was a very un, unfortunate incident, we feel sorry for the victim. We, we have to make a statement with a prosecution. And, and that's wrong. You know, it was uh, interesting. I was chatting with a police officer and about a situation where a person attacked with a machete and uh, both officers pretty much emptied their guns into him as he attacked them with a the machete in the air. Um, he didn't, they didn't shoot him in the leg and they're taught not to. Once you defend your life, just whatever you've got to do, which we want our uh, men and women in blue to be protected, but it seems like the homeowner, uh, every, every step has to be justified in a court of law. And they're telling me that it's even against, like you just said, it's against the person protecting uh, their lives. And, and is yes. that the issue here that you can't use a gun unless you're protecting your life? You can't protect your property in Canada with a gun? Well, that's correct. That would not be seen to be a reasonable use of force. Uh, you know, um, that type of response is reserved for the gravest extreme, okay? Right. When your life or the life of your family is in danger, okay? And uh, it happens. Uh, we've seen several incidents recently uh, in rural Alberta and Saskatchewan where people's lives were directly threatened by people. And unfortunately, it became a, a bigger issue that they would choose uh, to use a firearm to defend themselves than the actual uh, perpetrator and in the incident that uh, precip precipitated that. Okay. And, you know, it's unfortunate. You know, at one time in this country, uh, the law took a very rational view of these types of incidents and did not have an, an ulterior motive or another agenda that they wanted to enforce. It was basically, was this individual's actions reasonable? Yes, they were. Move on. No need for a charge. But today, and right. it, especially I would say uh, within the last, 40 years, it has become a case of no, no, we, we, we have to pursue a, a prosecution against the victim to prove a point or to uh, prevent some sort of uh, social manifestation that we don't agree with from happening. So if a person breaks into a man's house and he has no idea why they're there, he has no idea how tough they are, he has no idea if they have a gun 
in the back of their pants, but he has busted into the door, but he's not carrying a weapon. I, you know, apparently you can't shoot him because uh, yeah, there's no, no I mean, risk. Yeah, no, I mean, if you were to confront that individual with a firearm, you may be committing an offense. Okay, Why? like but I he's said. he's in your house and you've got yes. kids. So if yes. he brings a club, you could maybe use a club. If he brings nothing, you'll have to go hand to hand. That almost makes it back to the Wild West where it's a matter of honor. Don't meet him with more. Uh, meet him with what he's got. But that's ridiculous because a lot of men aren't fighters. They've not been trained or used knives or clubs, etc. So it really, is that what you're saying? That it's really putting the onus on safe, you know, the, so the crooks are getting an advantage here in, in, in court. Is, is that what you're saying? In some cases, unfortunately, as I said before, the law seeks to create a level playing field between criminal and victim. So if the criminal escalates that use of force, it may be reasonable for you to do the same. And it's unfortunate because none of these uh, none of these incidents are clean. OK, you can't predict what's going to happen. No. And, uh, you know, the fact that uh, the victim should, uh, uh, you know, uh, be faced with this this issue of, well, okay, what is he going to do next and how will I react? It's very unfortunate. And it's this idea in criminal, in criminal law in Canada that, well, you know, uh, if, we, if we empower people to do this, we're encouraging vigilantism. Okay. Right. And I, I think that's completely wrongheaded. So I, I know of some, a couple of cases where uh, break-ins and criminal element were running away and then shot. And that had, they had no hope in court uh, in that, those cases. Yes. Yeah, no, I mean, at that point, your life is not being threatened. Right. Uh, yeah, an offense hasn't occurred. The uh, criminal is exiting or running away. There, there's no reasonable reason to uh, discharge a firearm. Unless he's running to pick up a firearm. Really, is he? Can you prove <laughs> I that? I mean, you may have yeah. to prove that in court. And exactly. this is, I mean, if you're ever contemplating ever having to use a firearm in self-defense and listen, it happens uh, and, and you may be forced to do so. You have to think about these things. What am I doing? Is, are my reactions reasonable? I'm going to have to explain them in court. You have to think it through and be prepared to do so, okay? It doesn't prevent you from, you know, absolutely uh, defending your life, the, the life of your family in the gravest extreme, but uh, you have to be very, very sure to do so. I always recommend for anybody ever contemplating, ever having to use a firearm in self-defense, get a copy of the Criminal Code of Canada, read it. Read yeah. uh, the sections that pertain to this particular issue. Uh, look at legal precedent, uh, go on Canly. It's, it's a free uh, uh, website uh, that contains legal precedent of all types, including uh, this issue, self-defense. Look at the precedent where uh, the actions of using a firearm in self-defense was supported and found to be reasonable, and then try and think about it and be prepared. Right, so judges have a lot of leeway then to determine what's reasonable. Yes. Um, Wendy Sukier, president of the Coalition for Gun Control, recently stated that they did an analysis of the last 10 mass shootings in Canada, and all but two involved legally owned guns. Uh, and the vast majority of mass shootings are done with legally owned firearms. Is there any truth to that statement? How would you respond uh, to that? There's a lot of untruth to that statement too. Okay. okay. You're assuming with, uh, uh, with uh, mass shootings that uh, they have any hope under any circumstances 
of preventing a tragedy. Okay, we're going to force a person to get a license. We're going to force a person to register firearms in in uh, in some in, in some circumstances. These measures will prevent tragedies from happening, and we've seen that in the past with high-profile shootings. So that that was not the case. Okay. So the idea that you can impose gun control laws on this and have any measure uh, uh, or effect on public safety and then ramp up those laws uh, uh, and impose them on uh, people who are law-abiding with firearms and have no intent and, and will not commit these shootings is frankly uh, a very, very scary proposition because you head down the road of a very, very undemocratic uh, and controlled society. And I don't think Canada is that type of society. All right. There are other measures that need to be taken. And if you look at uh, some recent cases, uh, the uh, Nova Scotia mass casualty, that individual was completely outside the law. There was no license. There was no legal firearms. He did not source them from legal sources. Um, if you look at uh, the incident that happened in Saskatchewan just recently, okay, no firearms used. But again, another mass casualty incident, all right? So um, the idea that, uh, well, why did this take place? The individual got a license, uh, uh, jumped through all the hoops necessary to legal own a firearm and committed the, uh, committed the, uh, uh, the atrocity anyway. I guess we need more laws because you, you, you just, you run down a rabbit hole to a point that I think Canada is heading now where it just leads to the uh, complete elimination of uh, the lawful ownership and use of firearms. Interesting. I was, you know, we watch a lot of American TV as Canadians and, uh, you know, they, in the investigation of a mass shooting in a school, there was such poor response in one of the situations uh, where the police stood outside as apparently as children were being hurt. And uh, so in response to that, I was watching an article the other day where welcome to our school, the sign is up, our teachers are armed. What do you think about that? What do I think about that? It's interesting. Uh, it certainly provides a means of defense. Uh, there are other things that can be done to prevent mass shootings. I mean, we, we've got all kinds of social and cultural problems in North America today. Okay. Mm. I mean, going right, right to the core, uh, those are not being addressed in any substantive matter by, by governments, uh, by other groups. We're not, we're just not talking about those problems because of a lot of, uh, you know, uh, it, misdirected sentiments of political correctness, okay? And a lot of those incidents, there were all kinds of warning signs of what may happen. The individuals who ended up being, uh, uh, committing those, those, those tragedies right. did not get the help they needed at the front end. It was just sort of right. like, we're, we're gonna push this off into a corner and hope it goes away. So yeah, no, I mean, in the gravest extreme to have a firearm available for self-defense, absolutely, uh, okay? But there are all kinds of things that you can do beforehand to prevent right. these type of tragedies. But as a government, if the government's not going to do these things uh, as far as, and society doesn't seem to be getting easier, uh, no. frustrated, unhappy people, elements that are being brought in that live in the country, uh, you know, it's going up. So average Joe Blow citizen, you know, who wants to protect his family now um, is going to look at that especially if you've been in a situation of such terror of somebody coming into your home and hurting your child, your wife. I mean, 
What do you respond to when people say, what are some common sense laws that need to be put in place? What would you say? Well, first, the Firearms Act has to be completely rewritten because there are all kinds of provisions in the present Firearms Act, which is basically an offshoot of uh, Bill C-68, the Liberal Gun Control Act of the 1990s, that seek to prevent that from happening, okay? So basically, the Firearms Act has to be rewritten to respect people's rights, people's property, and in a view of uh, allowing individuals to address or provide for their own defense in these situations in the gravest extreme. And I use that uh, statement uh, continuously to try to give you the effect of what we're talking about here. Using a firearm in self-defense is, is not a desirable thing, okay? No. It's not a desirable thing. It will change your life forever. But unfortunately, it happens, and it happens in Canada, okay? And why does it happen in Canada? Well, you're always gonna have incidents like this where you have a criminal who just doesn't care uh, for, the life of anyone is going to commit the crime that he wants to commit the crime. And if he has to hurt you or kill you to do it, he's going to do it. Okay. That's just the history of the world. So what you're saying is bad people are always going to be here there. We've got these 10 a stabbings. Absolute, absolutely. Uh, you can and one of the stories is, is of pulling an 80 year old man out of his car. My God. Uh, a person said and, and, uh, and just killed him. Yeah. So the bad, bad people are always going to be with us. What we have in Canada today is a failure of the justice system, a failure of the law, and a failure of public policy, okay? The uh, legal thought uh, beginning in the 1970s went so far to the extreme where we will invest all the power uh, of force in the state, in law enforcement. Canadians will not need to do this. We will create a society where it is so safe. And, you know, uh, looking back, you know, 40, 50 years, maybe you can understand uh, why, why they might have thought that this was a different country then. Okay. But fast forward today, and it's, it's very, very different. And it's, I, I think it, it's evident that all of those measures, uh, all of, all of those laws, all of those regulations and the public policies enacted then to create that type of uh, uh, society completely failed. Uh, Canada is a much more dangerous and violent place today because of it. I was watching a uh, show, an American television show, and Ben Shapiro was being uh, interviewed. And they were talking about the rights to bear arms. And uh, the person interviewing him, and I forget his name, made the comment that, you know, you don't need, you don't need guns to protect yourself. And uh, you do. he said, you're talking to a Jew here. He said, uh, and the guy was talking about modern society. And he said, you're talking to a Jew here. You're not going to get anywhere with that. Uh, when you look at what took place and, you know, well, I mean, look Nazis, at it this way. It, it look at it this way. I mean, Germany uh, in the mid 1930s was also a modern society and things went sideways pretty quickly. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, it, just because you think that you have a modern society and everything is is one way and we're all nice and civil and bad things aren't going to happen to good people anymore, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. OK, so I very much understand that that sentiment. Um, yeah, you always want to work towards that. Uh, you want to work towards a society where the, the type of violence that certainly we're seeing today uh, it does not happen uh, frequently. OK, and we are seeing it happen more frequently, and that is disturbing. But yeah. Uh, yeah, gun control, gun confiscations, and the attack on people's rights, freedoms, uh, property, and culture is not the way to do it. So what I'm hearing you say is that 
The NFA is, is a group that you, you're a leader with. They are not against responsible bearing of arms and making sure that wicked people or emotional people or people with behavioral problems do never get their hands on this. Let's have great policing of this. But what I'm hearing you say is that normal, healthy people who will go through the proper procedures have to have the right to bear arms. Is that what you're saying? Yes, this is a Canadian right and cultural tradition, okay? Uh, it's codified in things uh, like the Magna Carta, the uh, British North America Act. I mean, there's a lot of claims that, well, Canadians have no right to uh, firearms or arms or that sort of thing, and that's completely wrong, all right? We have all of the rights that Americans have uh, to oh. own and possess firearms, okay? The difference is uh, that right was codified in the American Constitution, and that right, the Second Amendment does not confer a right to keep and bear arms on, on Americans, okay? What it does is recognize a previously existing right in the American Constitution, okay? We still have that pre-existing right because our laws are, their laws are based on the same thing that our laws are based on. However, uh, in, uh, uh, in, in the modern era here, it's been become fashionable or uh, perhaps uh, uh, subject to ideological attacks to uh, try to convince can Canadians that no, when it comes to firearms, you have no rights, you have no right to this, uh, don't even talk about it. Uh, and that's wrong. Uh, I think uh, Canadians understand that we have that right, we're going to celebrate that right, and uh, we are going to have it protected in law, and we will be pursuing that in the future under other go governments. So when the Prime Minister froze handguns, which is what he did, was there a vote on it? Was there any preparation to this? Uh, no, the, the current freeze, which is a freeze on uh, importation of handguns, was uh, done on the whim of a minister. The minister really? decided, okay, we have legislation that will be coming up uh, before parliament. We're going to do this early, and I'm going to do it by ministerial decree. And he did, okay? I don't even know if that's legal, and I imagine there will be legal challenges to that. Uh, the uh, freeze uh, proposed in Bill C-21, which the uh, government intends to uh, bring forward uh, when Parliament resumes, uh, does propose to uh, uh, freeze the uh, possession and transfer of firearms. If you own one, if you're holding a license and a registration one, if it becomes law, uh, they will allow you to keep it. However, if you are no longer able to keep it for any reason, that gun will have to be turned in and destroyed. And that, that applies to uh, whatever situation you might find yourself in. Uh, if you are deceased, the gun becomes uh, part of your estate. Well, there is no alternative. You cannot leave it to your heirs. It cannot be transferred. It has to be confiscated and destroyed. Is that only handguns? That's, or is that uh, rifles too? That is handguns under Bill C-21. Now, I hear that a lot of rifles in the, in the same time frame have been criminalized. Is that the right word? Yeah, that is the May 2020 OIC, Order in Council. This was an order in council brought down in May 2020, uh, basically targeting 300,000 uh, legally acquired and owned uh, long guns uh, for uh, confiscation. The government's intent there is uh, to basically... Uh, confiscate those firearms and then offer uh, the owners some type of compensation for that. Uh, that doesn't make it right. I mean, that's that's a complete offense against citizenship and it will not stand. It will not be accepted by uh, Canadians and it certainly will not be accepted by Canada's National Firearms Association. So the National Firearms Association, when laws like this, that you 
the, or, the what's the purpose for that organization for those who are watching and are interested? The purpose of this organization, if I had to sum it up in, in, in one statement, is to uh, pursue natural justice for firearms owners. Okay, Based, this is a Canadian right and cultural tradition. Okay, and it has to be respected. And it has to be respected in legislation. And that hasn't happened for a very, very long time. Well, thank you for being with me, Blair. This has been a very interesting conversation. And I know there's two sides to this in the way people look at it. But it's great to hear your thoughts as you have thought your way through. It was great having you with me. It was an honor to be here. You are an essential part of this series. Support truth, knowledge, and wisdom by sharing this show with a friend. Visit returntoreason.tv. There you can subscribe to my newsletter by clicking Become an Insider. Get the latest articles, episodes, and exclusive content. You'll be the first to know about fascinating conversations I've had recently and what my research team is working on. If you have a suggestion for the show or would like the reference material for this episode, use the link in the show notes. Experience Return to Reason. Get involved.